Hi, I'm Erin O'Hara, Executive Director of the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And I'm Laura Booker, Executive Director of Research at the Tennessee Department of Education. And this is the second episode of the 10th period. So, Laura, one of the things we do on this podcast is at the beginning, we talk a little bit about some facts in Tennessee. So I know you've got some uh, some thoughts on the most interesting thing that's happened in Tennessee recently. That's right, Erin. So it's March, and that means people across the country are filling out their brackets and monitoring their progress. And the big news here in Nashville is that the Lipscomb University men's basketball team made the NCAA tournament for the first time. And no men's team from Tennessee has ever actually won the tournament, but the Lady Vols from the University of, Ten- <laughs> University of Tennessee have won the women's tournament eight times. I did get excited a couple of years back when um, Belmont was in the tournament, and came, I think it was in the first round. They were really close to beating Duke, which uh, I went to the University of Virginia, so anyone who beats Duke is always uh, is always good in my book. But I'll be excited. Um, by the time this comes out, we probably will know more about what the outcomes are. But one of the other reasons I think it's fun is that the Commissioner of Education, also from Lipscomb University. That's right, Erin. So aside from our fun fact, can you tell us a little bit of, of fun facts about Tara and why we're doing this podcast? Yeah, so Laura and I wanted to make sure that um, in this, our second edition of the podcast, we gave everyone a little bit more information about the partnership between the Department of Education and uh, Peabody College here at Vanderbilt University, which we call the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And so the the research, Tennessee Education Research Alliance was formed um, actually out of Race to the Top originally, um, and we relaunched um, last year with a new sort of focus um, and a new name, the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And, um, and Laura, I'd love to hear from you why you think having a research partnership is important to the Department of Education. Sure, Erin. It allows us to tap into the expertise that is here in Nashville at Vanderbilt University and is really all across Tennessee and all across the country. As people come and work with our data and work with our practitioners and our policymakers um, around education as we try to improve our outcomes for our students and try to improve working conditions for our educators, These researchers not only are doing work or analyzing data, but they're acting as thought partners as we try to figure out solutions and best next steps. The other critical piece of this work is we used to have a lot of kind of discrete research studies happening, but we weren't really thinking across the big picture of these studies. And now that we have Tara, an organization that can help us kind of think across, well, if we're doing one study on pre-K and another study on pre-K, how do we think about what those two studies together are telling us what our next step should be? Yeah, and so from the research perspective, I think it's a good point. One of the things we're trying to do um, is to have each study build on the next. So I talked about this, this partnership between Vanderbilt and the Department of Education has been around for a long time and that we relaunched um, last year. And really the biggest difference is what you're talking about, is trying to synthesize research across time. And so we have these four areas of study, professional learning, labor markets, uh, low-performing schools and early literacy that are our areas that we focus on. And we're both trying to build a set of knowledge within those um, different areas and then also connect across. So today we'll be excited to talk to one of the leaders in our professional learning area, um, John Pape, who has done um, a couple of different studies over time. And, and actually, we spent a bunch of time today just talking about what does the next set of things look like? How does the information that we're learning about teachers in the labor market and uh, recruitment and retention of teachers and leaders of color and the things we're learning about school leaders interact with things like 
how are teachers improving over time? So um, I think what's interesting for researchers that I've picked up is that researchers enjoy being able to actually get to work with people directly at the department and see the the research that they're doing have actual impact on policy. And in addition to talking to John, we're also going to talk to Paul Fleming, who is at the department working directly on this work, and to an educator in the field who can help us shine some light onto what this research actually means in practice. Okay, so now we're going to get into this segment of uh, of the 10th period where we talk about the research work that we're focused on today. And so today we're talking with John Pape, a researcher from Brown University, about some work that he's been leading for us um, on teacher improvement over time and, and a concept that John calls teacher returns to experience, which he'll explain more about. But just so you all have a sense of why we're even in this particular area, professional learning is one of the things that the Department of Education felt very strongly about um, as one of the strands of research. So really looking to uncover more about how it is that we can support teachers in their improvement over time um, and, and really think about instructional supports. So welcome, John. It's great to have you here. And I'd like to start by just having you tell us how you became involved in doing research in Tennessee. Oh, th- thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I've been working in Tennessee now for, I guess it's been about five or six years. Um, and we began, um, I've, I've studied teacher evaluation for a while and uh, had some colleagues, um, Eric Taylor and John Tyler, who were also interested in teacher evaluation. And back then, um, there'd been a lot of work around teacher evaluation, a lot of which had focused on trying to see how, how accurate teacher ratings were and whether systems were doing a good job of, of rating teachers accurately. Um, and the three of us were m- more interested in how these evaluation systems could promote teacher improvement and could lead to instructional improvement in the classroom. And so we were trying to find research partners who might be willing and interested in engaging with us on that. And we sent around a little description, and one of the places, one of the few places that was interested in doing this was Tennessee. And so we, we are the volunteer state. <laughs> <laughs> you are indeed. So, um, so we came to a meeting um, at the at the department, and we sat around and brainstormed about what this might look like. Uh, and and we had several ideas. And one, uh, someone who was working there, Tony Pratt, came up with this idea about pairing teachers together using the evaluation data. So not focusing on. Look, looking at accountability, evaluation for accountability, but thinking about how can we use the information that's in the system to pair up teachers in the same school who score well on certain practices with other teachers in the school who have lower scores in those same practices. And so we developed this program. Now it's called the Instructional Partnership Initiative in partnership with the State Department of Education. And we've been working on this and studying it for uh, for a while now. Um, and you had some interesting yeah. initial findings um, from that program. We, we did, yes. So we found that um, we did a pilot study where we randomly assigned some schools in Jackson Madison County was our, was this, the district that worked agreed to work with us. We randomly assigned some schools to get this intervention and other schools not to. And the schools that got the intervention, um, teachers in those schools improved their performance a lot over the course of the year. Um, and particularly the teachers who had those low evaluation scores in certain areas, um, they improved uh, improved the most. So you've spent a lot of time thinking about this concept of teacher improvement and studying it in various places. And you've just recently, you sort of uh, midway through probably what will end up being a much longer set of studies um, around this. But can you talk about what is going to be in this brief that that we'll be releasing um, and sort of what you've learned around teacher improvement here in Tennessee? Yeah. Um, So this growing out of this work around the, the instructional partnership initiative, we began to think more broadly about teacher instructional improvement in Tennessee. And so 
Um, Aaron, as you as you mentioned, we, Mary Lasky and I have written this uh, this brief for uh, for Tara that really looks at how teachers improve over the course of the of their career. There's been this this sort of narrative out there in the policy world for and uh, the research world for a while that teacher effectiveness is kind of fixed and portable, that it doesn't change much over time, especially after the first few years in the, in the career, that teachers can, can take it with them when they, when they move across schools. And so we wanted to look at this. We've done some work elsewhere, and we wanted to look at, at how, this, how this played out in, in Tennessee. And so what we really were trying to do is look at how individual teachers improve their, their effectiveness over time. And so we, we trace teachers over time and see how much they're improving, both in terms of their evaluation scores and also in terms of their contributions to, to student achievement. And, and we find that teachers in Tennessee do. They continue to improve over the course of their career. Of course, m there's much more rapid improvement early in the career, but even after year five or 10, teachers are still um, still improving their, uh, their practice. This is true across subject areas um, and across these different measures of, of effectiveness. And I think one of the so then we tried to figure out, are there any sort of more nuanced patterns that we can, uh, we can find here? And we see that this, this improvement or the level of improvement really varies across uh, districts and across schools. So in, in some places, teachers are sort of systematically improving at greater rates than they are uh, in other places. Um, they and so today, we, John is actually here in part. Um, he he spoke with our advisory council this morning, and so the Terra Advisory Council includes uh, the State Board of Education and SCORE and the Tennessee Organization of School Superintendents or TOS, the School Boards Association, uh, TEA, the Educational Equity Coalition, um, and the Governor's Office and the Commissioner was there as well. And, and we spent some time talking about this, and this was a, a particular interest to people, right, is that uh, that actually you see more improvement in some places than in others. And a big question people have then is why, right? Um, and can you talk a little bit about just sort of some of the things you're thinking about why in that category now and, and what we might look at going forward? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we don't so we don't know the answer to that yet, right? right. In, at least in, in Tennessee, this is the... The, the the real question we can document these patterns but but what's driving it that's that's really what's what's interesting we know from other places um, other research that's been that's been done that things like having an effective principal having a, working in a, in a in an environment that supports um, where, where teachers feel supportive supported having working in an environment where there's a lot of collaboration among teachers working in an environment with more effective peers all of these things can lead teachers to improve at greater rates and and I think the next steps in our work are, are hopefully to, to try and unpack some of these things, what they look like in Tennessee, what is driving this variation across districts and across uh, across schools, um, what explains these these patterns. So we're trying to think about things like, can we use some of the data that we have to look at this, but also um, can we go back into schools and, and try and understand what's, what things look like in schools where teachers continue to improve? Um, how does that differ from places where teachers are not improving as much? Yeah. And those findings will be really useful as we try to think about how we as a state department give guidance to our schools and our districts about how they can help their teachers keep it, improve at the beginning and throughout their careers. But I also wanted to ask you, I know you had some findings about um, how we've see, seen more recent improvement in current years as compared to past years. So you're able to take advantage of our great longitudinal data set that Tara House is here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the data, there's a, there's a nice long, um, we have student achievement data for, for a long time here. Um, and so we can look at this over, look, look at these trends and how they're different now than they were earlier. And so we look in, you know, in the years 2008 to 2010, and we look in more recent years, and we see that these 
this, teachers are improving more in recent years than they had been, um, you know, back five or seven seven years ago. And so, this I mean, we can't say that this is due to the the policy changes right. and all the activity around education, but it's at least consistent with the idea that some of, some of this attention um, that, that the states put into things like teacher evaluation, to things like professional learning, um, to things like new curricular standards, um, it's at least th- this improvement in improvement is happening at the same time. And, and teachers are, do, do appear to be um, continuing to improve more now than they were. Yeah, and there are, there are some things actually within. So the Tennessee Educator Survey, um, which is in the field from March 6th to April 20th, um, uh, there are some things we've learned, you know, within the uh, the educator survey about about sort of how teachers feel about professional learning. But we're trying to get a little more nuanced on that. Even can you talk a little bit about sort of some of the things we're trying to find out from the survey? Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I, 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 what we I think as a as a as a field, we don't have great information about what types of professional learning activities teachers are are doing in schools, and so. And that's partly because a lot of the professional learning that occurs is kind of on the job. It's collaboration. It's, it's things that are hard to measure. And right? sort of the things that like I like what sort of the conversations the teachers would have had in IPI. Right. That's right. Instructional it, Partnership Initiative. And I think that when folks think about, you know, even on a survey, when teachers are responding to what they're what, what are they doing in terms of professional learning, they tend to think about the professional development, this explicit out-of-school professional development right. that they're doing. And so there's in some ways a mindset shift to think some of this on-the-job on collaboration um, really is professional learning. So we're try- we don't have good measures of that, and hopefully this survey is going to do a better job of thinking about what those measures are, how can we see what folks are actually spending their time doing, and how some of these things that they're doing relate to, uh, to their professional improvement. So we've learned that teachers in Tennessee are improving over the course of their careers on average that teacher improvement varies across schools and districts, uh, and that actually teacher improvement appears to be steeper in recent years. But there's a lot more to learn, it seems, um, and we're looking forward to continuing to work with John on this. John, thanks again for being here um, and for being part of this. Yeah, thanks for having me. This, uh, the work is really really interesting and, and fun, and it's great to be able to, to talk with folks who are excited to learn about what we're finding. So thanks. Okay, so now we're going to do the segment of the 10th period that we call On the Spot, where we uh, normally call a teacher or um, an educator, a principal from a building. But actually, we're lucky enough today that we have a teacher from Metro Nashville Public Schools with us here in the studio at Vanderbilt University, Leticia Skay from, uh, from MLK, Martin Luther King, which is both a middle school and a high school. Leticia is a seventh grade English teacher. Um, and Leticia, we're going to put you on the spot to talk about teacher improvement and teacher growth experiences over time, as it relates in part to the research that um, that we're that we're talking about today. Um, so, tell us just at the beginning, what's your trajectory been like? What's your career been like as a as an educator? Um, it has always been changing. So, I came into education. I originally started teaching in Florida, and I was actually a sociology anthropology major in college. Okay. And went in and walked in for an interview. They were desperate for teachers down in Florida when I first was there, and um, they said we need an English teacher. And they said, "Sell us on why you would make a great English teacher." And I d- did. Um, and I should have known from from the interview when they said, do you prom- if we hire you, do you promise to stay for one year? I should have known right then that that was probably mm. like uh, foreshadowing, like this was going to be a very tough job. So um, how long did you stay there? And then what was your next job? Four years. And then Metro got me. So <laughs> uh, originally, I grew up here in the Nashville area. So my parents still lived here, even though I was in Jacksonville, Florida, enjoying the beach. 
And so and here so you I started am. teaching <laughs> and started a master's program all at the same time. Correct. And, in Metro National and Public so Schools. So how long have you been a teacher in Metro National Public Schools? This is my eighth year. And this year you have a new role. Yes. I am the LTDS, which is the Literacy Teacher Development Specialist. This is my first year out of the classroom. And essentially this is the way Metro terms the literacy coach. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Great. So a long career, all focused on uh, English, literacy, these types of things. Yes. Um, and um, Laura, I know you had a question for yeah. Leticia. I'm just curious. Um, we've been talking to John a little bit about his research on teacher improvement. And I'm curious whether you could talk about how you feel like you improved as a teacher. And now that you're in this new role that has teacher development in the title, how you can talk about how you have seen improvement in other teachers. Uh, well, I feel like improvement happens when there is a sense of urgency. And there's all kinds of reasons for a sense of urgency. So when I came to um, when I started in Metro and I was in the Vanderbilt program, there was a sense of urgency. I, I wanted to do well in the program. I wanted to graduate. And more importantly, I had a different population of students that I was learning. And I knew that whatever it took, I had to get them to learn. Whatever it took, I had to, I had to successfully get this degree. So there was a serious sense of urgency there. Um, that sense of urgency stuck with me because I felt success so once I became successful and I understood the patterns, the mannerisms, the structures that needed to be in place, the types of lessons I need to create, once that was there, the sense of urgency stayed because then all of a sudden it was, I need to do this with every student no matter if I'm in the program or not because this is what is best practices and this is what gives me success. Um, I knew that when my lessons were fantastic lessons, even the kids who were the most rowdy, the most disengaged, would be engaged, would do what I asked them to do. I knew that when I built relationships with the kids that it didn't matter if um, they didn't want to do the work because they loved me so much. They were like, all right, Skay, you said so, so we're going to do it, and, and we're going to follow it through the end because you told us, like, there is a purpose, and so we're going to believe you and trust you. So those things really helped in my improvement. Um, but then again, uh, I might be a unique breed because I just like school so much. I, I keep going back. So, <laughs> what, what have you? What's been different about the experience from the from the other perspective? So, I mean, I, I guess two questions, or two, sort of a two part question. One, uh, what kinds of supports did you have to do those things that you felt like you know identifying which lessons were good lessons and and knowing how to build a a, a better lesson or knowing how to connect with students and then how do you translate that into your role? Um, as a, a teacher development specialist? Um, well, at Vanderbilt, I had professors coming into my classroom. So if I said this is the lesson that I'm going to present and I gave them lessons for the whole week, they would randomly come in any time during that week and come in and look at the lesson that I said I was going to do on whatever day I said I was going to do. And then they would ask me questions about why I changed it or if I didn't change it or what needed to happen or reflect. There was a lot of things that went in with that. So some of those things I still use today where it's like um, if I want to sit down with the teacher, I ask, okay, can I come in during your planning period? Let's plan. Can I help you? Let's talk about what this is going to look like. Do you need a resource? Here's a resource that I think would help with that. When can I come in and see the lesson? Mm -hmm. Because we can, we can fill out templates, right, and we can create really fantastic lessons or we can find them online, right? Yeah. But the implementation is the most important part. So that's why you have to do the follow through with the observation. And then after the observation, ask, ask teachers to reflect. I mean, they would always ask me to reflect. They'd say, what went well? What didn't? What could you have done better? And if I needed help, I would just simply ask. 
Um, and I like when the teachers do that with me, too. What are your thoughts on how people do or don't continue to improve over time? Within the first few years, I mean, since you're just learning, of course, like there's good, you can only go up. Right. <laughs> I yeah. hope. I mean, and in, in, in any job, actually, John said today in our advisory council meeting that this is that the, that the same kinds of trajectories are seen in other fields as well. Right. So you that should expect, sense. right, that if you're starting out on something new, um, that learning it, you're going to get better. But but it's sort of that those intervening years where people have thought over time that actually that uh, you might sort of after three years or so, growth is stopping. But what we're seeing is actually that that's not the case. You still see growth. And and do you feel that way? And, and in your sort of three to five and five to 10, how did that work? I think that with the way that our state runs, the way that our systems run, districts run, um, I do believe that districts are really, really good at giving you new initiatives regularly. Um, states are really good at that. So every time you change, like teachers do have to change. Therefore, we're going to have to learn. We're going to have to master it. And I think teachers, probably the majority of them at heart, do want to be able to master the craft. Um, so because of that, they're going to work hard at no matter what new thing you give them. They're like, all right, we're going to we're going to adopt this, too. And we're going to work hard at it. Um, you said that in a way that you, f you that was sort of positive. But you often hear from teachers, actually, that they don't necessarily like new initiatives and things. I know I'm not saying they like them, but uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> but you do, but they, but they do sort of keep you on your toes. Yes, a bit. it does keep you on your toes. I'm not saying that they like them. And sometimes, it, you know, we would we would benefit if we could keep initiatives long enough to see that they're making a difference. Yes. Yeah, right. um, but be, because we're consistently changing them, I mean, I'm sure teachers are learning new things and changing and tweaking. And uh, but for that being said, a lot of the things that also keep you on your toes are when the students keep you on your toes. Mm. The types of populations that you have to teach will not allow you to get complacent most of the time. So you have to continue to teach a certain way to make sure that you're reaching all your kids the way that you need to reach them. And that takes some growth and learning. Yeah. What do you think that the state role should be and what advice would you give to leaders of the state as we start to think about how we can help more schools and more school districts help their teachers to improve? How can we encourage more practices like the one you were describing around being reflective? Um, I think I've said this before, and I think I'm going to say it all the time, and I and I hope one day the state listens. Tennessee, listen. Um, <laughs> you got the right people in the room. <laughs> I... We need time. We just need time. And it needs to be structured time and it needs to be collaborative time, but we need time. So my husband went to China and he came back and he told me, honey, do you know that they only teach half the day and then the other half of the day is them planning, grading and collaborate collaboration. And I said, wow, the things that I could get done if I had that. I mean, when you think about it, um, you have excellent teachers, but when you ask them to plan everything they need to plan, grade papers, and do that in 50 minutes every single day. That's absurd. So, yep. so Aaron, we're going to have to flag for John that as he starts looking to see in the schools and districts where they saw greater teacher development, they should look at the use of time. Yeah, actually, this is one of the things um, that you, Leticia, you came to the uh, to the meeting we had last January. Mm -hmm. And this was one of the things that came out of that meeting was that teachers really, uh, educators really feel like time is important. Speaking of time, um, I know that as an educator, you have a lot on your plate, and I also know that you have uh, young kids, so uh, appreciate you making the extra time to come over here and spend with us at Vanderbilt today, um, and just thank you, as always, for all of the work that you do. Um, we know that 
you have the among the hardest jobs uh, in the state and in our country. So thanks for doing it. Thank you so much. Next, we'll talk with Paul Fleming, Assistant Commissioner of Teachers and Leaders at the department, about specific steps the state is taking around professional learning supports. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. And I wanted to ask you to first describe your own role um, from being a principal and to talk a little bit about what you think are important elements to help that schools and principals can do to help teachers improve. Yeah, well, thank you. And great to be here on the podcast. Um, yeah, so I was a principal for six years in Metro Nashville at Hume Fogg Magnet. And I have to say, even in my first couple of years of being a principal, you often learn to be the sole instructional leader. And that's what, how you're trained often. And you realize, and it took a couple of years to really realize how important it is, and this is from my principal experience, to talk about shared leadership and build capacity of your teachers to actually uh, get better and improve over time. But that takes a joint effort. And I think that's a key now we're trying to focus on from the state level of when we talk about teacher improvement is the key role of the principal, number one, and two, how to help principals become more adept at shared leadership, which is really building the capacity of their teachers, both individually and collectively, to give feedback to each other, for example, like you heard earlier from John about the Instructional Partnership Initiative, to uh, coach each other in different ways, both formal and informal, knowing that the principal cannot do that by themselves. And that's often the trap, that principals believe they are the the, the only instructional leader in the building. And when you can unlock that key to realize that shared leadership really drives um, a lot of these notions around teacher improvement, it, it goes much further. And I saw that both in the principal level and now at the state level, how we're trying to encourage that. How did you know when you were a principal? And then how are you thinking now about how you do know if teachers are improving? What are the things that you're looking to see um, both in your in your previous experience and now in your experience looking at sort of school districts and schools and their growth of teachers? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that was my aha moment as a principal is realizing when the feedback and the culture of collaboration was growing. And I think that was one strong indicator. So I knew specifically, I had a distinct memory of when I had a, uh, an English teacher providing at the faculty meeting professional learning for the, for the faculty, not coming from me, about three key literacy strategies that every teacher in the building could use in their own classrooms. And then when I walked in two weeks later to the biology classroom and saw those strategies being implemented, and again, it was built upon this culture of collaboration that the faculty were engaged in and learning from each other, in addition to my leadership, that that was one measure I saw that there was an increase in practices, peer practices being developed and implemented for improvement mm -hmm. that was did not exist, as I mentioned, maybe in my first year as a principal, where right. I thought everything had to be funneled through the, the leader. Mm -hmm. And when you really think about how you create the climate and the, the structures in a school for, as you heard uh, Ms. Skay talk about, the culture of collaboration and how hungry you know, teachers are. Half of all teachers in the United States have never seen a colleague teach. Wow. Right? Yeah. And so when you think about how do we build capacity and deprivatizing practices, that, uh, that emphasis on collaboration that a principal can signal in a school, 
Uh, we know drives a lot of uh, types of instructional improvement just through the simple act of structuring collaboration. Well, what is the State Department doing um, maybe around teacher evaluation or around some of the other efforts that your team leads to help schools and districts think about how to improve their teachers? Yeah, so I say first, especially from the annual survey data that we know from teachers, it's really driving how do we uh, improve the process around the team evaluation model. So I think that's that's huge. Of so helping, teachers yeah. teachers that are listening fill yes. out that survey helps us <laughs> figure out what to do at the State Department. Exactly, and we really listen. <laughs> and I think people forget. And I was a teacher in Tennessee before a team. And if you were a tenured teacher, you were evaluated once every five years on a checklist. And I think you know while there's certainly it's not a perfect model now, this culture of common language and common feedback that teachers are receiving, and we know we have to do even better, um, is a huge uh, advantage and a huge leap for Tennessee. At the same time, knowing because of that annual survey data to try to really structure um, flexibility into the evaluation model so it allows for you know maybe fewer formal observations uh, as, as you grow and develop. Uh, we're tweaking the rubric. More of the type of thing that you're talking about where you walk into the biology classroom and you know that it's working or it isn't working. You can give feedback just on that on the spot. Exactly. So I think that's where there's trying to emphasize from the state perspective better and more differentiated feedback that evaluators give to teachers is certainly where we're trying to continue to work with evaluators, namely principals, to do that. At the same time, outside of formal evaluation, encouraging and incentivizing things like instructional partnership initiative, uh, the peer feedback, the PLCs, teacher leadership that allows for continued feedback, even if it's not directly connected to evaluation. So really thinking on two tracks from yeah. the state. And I think that's where we've had um, some success, but we need to continue to, to help teachers and make them feel supported, especially because they want more opportunity and time for collaboration. So yeah. you mentioned time, and Leticia had talked about time. Um, one of the things that you all did recently was to change the structure on professional development points. So actually right. teachers now can use, can you talk yes, a little about that? Yes, great point. So you know, think about teachers really wanting more differentiated professional learning. One of those being micro-credentials is, is a pretty exciting new area for online um, credentials that teachers can earn. But the problem was our policy still had this old notion of, of fixed seat time. And so we changed the policy so now that teachers, even if they're earning a micro-credential and they're doing this at home on a Sunday afternoon, can use that for the, for the renewal or advancement of their license with their annual PD points. Right. So in other words, micro-credentials count for X number of points for professional development. And it's not that you just now have to go to uh, a certain number of hours of professional learning. And am I right in thinking that some of the things that teachers might do during the day in terms of collaboration or observing in other classrooms could even count? Yes, exactly, like the IPI, like yeah. the Instructional Partnership Initiative. So I think that that survey data and, and, and coming from teachers to say we want more differentiated, more personalized professional learning and feedback is even driving now policy revisions and already has, which is exciting. Uh, and again, knowing that we still want to stay really connected and continue to improve, that these, I think, are encouraging signs in Tennessee. So based on some of the, your experience and what you're talking about that the state is working on, are there like one or two things you would say to us looking at John's research as well we should investigate next from the research perspective? Yeah, that's a great, great question because I think there's still this kind of $64,000 question around what is it around this culture of collaboration in, in a school or in a district 
that that really moves the needle on on student outcome. Sort of how is it happening? And, and what how is, is it yeah, happening? Right. right. Cause I if think, we know that schools and districts are improving at different rates, if we know that instructional leaders are cr- maybe creating systems in some places, if not, exactly. if we know that feedback is working, can we test any of those specific exactly? Things? Because you know, we PLCs, for example, have been around for a long time, right. 30, 40 years. But PLCs by themselves, professional learning communities, have not moved the needle on student outcomes. Right. So there is something within collaboration, but we know it's not just the, the simple fact of building in a period, for example, a day where every teacher could get together and talk. That There's something more that's right. that is kind of the guided, focused collaboration around instructional improvement yeah. that is really key. And I think that's where continuing, and Tara's work's been great to, yeah. to kind of unlock that block black box yeah right? more of, to do for sure but of, we're of but we're getting that. but we're getting it going well paul thank you so much not only for the work that you do all the time but for joining us here today and uh and uh and staying with us to hear all of the different perspectives i think um i feel like i've learned a lot and it seems like you're taking away a couple of good nuggets as exactly. well so um so thanks so much for joining us and looking forward to continuing to work together thank you so much for being here So, Aaron, we've had a trio of visitors here to podcast number two today, and it's time to wrap it up. And I'm curious, what is your takeaway from our time with those three people today? Yeah, you know, Laura, it's so interesting because we John John was here today in part um, to present to our advisory council, and I described that group earlier. Um, But it it just has struck me between talking with the advisory council about the research and sort of the their questions about the what and the how things are happening. So if we're seeing teachers improve, you know, what's, what are they improving on and how are they improving and why um, are really important questions to them. And then, you know, you talk to a teacher like Leticia, you talk to Paul about his experience as a, uh, as a principal, and, and really just I'm just struck that the research in isolation is, is just information and actually putting it into the context and then learning from people who are in the field about what we should be looking at next. Uh, it's just really powerful to think about research in that way and the way in which it, it builds our knowledge as a field. So that's what I'm thinking about. What are you thinking about? My head is a little bit swimming, but I am thinking, you know, hearing John talk about the fact that teachers keep getting better, it's not just those beginning years, I think is a really important message to think about because we don't have a fixed mindset when we think about students and we shouldn't have a fixed mindset when we think about our teachers either. Um, I also think it's great that, you know, we've had a lot of changes and refinements and, I mean, this is coming from teachers, from schools, from districts, from the state in the last um, several years. And I think it's really encouraging that we're seeing stronger growth trajectories during that time period. I think, you know, I'm really excited for the next phase of the work that will help us dig in and unpack a little bit more about um, where we're seeing stronger growth and and maybe what might be causing that. And then I was also just um, really excited about the... about what Leticia was saying about reflection and about how she feels like being sort of pushed to think about and reflect on her practice helped her grow as a teacher and about how she can look at her students and um, reflect on them and their own student learning. And that that tells her a lot about how her, how she's developing, how she's improving and whether or not she's being successful. So that actually seeing students uh, not just on sort of annual assessments and that type of thing, but actually day to day seeing the growth that students are making helps teachers to know how they're growing. And then as Paul said, seeing 
the growth that teachers make from sort of one learning to the next and, and the type of development that they're getting is really important. So um, we're going to dig into some uh, some of the research we talked about a little bit today around school leadership. Um, we will get into some of the research that the department has done um, around reading. Um, and we'll start to get into some of the work that Tara's done around school improvement. And it'll be interesting to see how all of these things sort of line up with one another and the ways in which we're, uh, we're building a, a, a cohesive learning agenda, hopefully, here in the partnership between the Tennessee Department of Education and Vanderbilt University. So um, thanks, Laura, for another fun episode of the 10th period. For, uh, for more information about the research that Tara is doing, you can go to our website. Um, and you can also tune in on iTunes or through our podcast page on the Tara website. And so that's vu.edu slash 10ed Research Alliance. So thanks so much, Laura. Fun thank, to do it again. Thank you See all you next for listening time. to the 10th period. Yeah, thanks. Take care.